0: Uh, we started last week, uh, Phil and I are preaching aspects of advent I guess is, is one of the way of calling it and uh, so last week, in the morning service and the evening and uh, today, uh, some aspects around around God obviously uh, the Christmas stories are very familiar to us, and uh, we read the scriptures uh, very often Matthew one, Luke two, and some of the Old Testament prophecies regularly and rightly so in carol services and nativity services. But we wanted to to make space and time to to not only read them afresh, but have time to to speak into those and around those a little bit more than we would have chance in those particular services. So uh, hence the kind of theme for this December. Please turn with me to chapter 9 of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Uh, We heard some of it read this morning. Thank you so much to Rowan for for doing that. Chapter 9. Verses 1 to 7 of Isaiah. It's on the screen and uh, in whatever device you have it with you. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What an amazing passage. As I've been thinking of the Christmas story, I'm reminded of that little line in one of the carols, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in the So true. The hopes and fears of all the years met in Jesus. Rightly so, from ages old, this passage from about the eighth century before the arrival of Jesus speaks, as do all of the scriptures. And declare four wonderful names of God. The Messiah, the Anointed One, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Did you hear it? He shall be called, this Son, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If any of you are into classical music, uh, these words will resonate because it's part of of that great... um, piece of sung worship, handles Messiah, I won't try and sing it uh, on my own, I won't do it justice, but maybe uh, find it on uh, one of those streaming services or YouTube, or maybe you have it on old school CD or tape, and uh, listen to the beautiful, beautiful renditions of the hopes and fears, wonderful counsellor. See, Isaiah the prophet is speaking, as I said, into the life and times of his people at that juncture of history. Isaiah was a real prophet, and he spoke into the context of a people in all sorts of uncertain times. They were troubled times. As I was uh, writing and thinking about what to say in the text of uh, this message, I found it eerily familiar. There'd been a series of bad leaders, bad kings. It was chaotic. It seemed that those who were ruling up until this point were in it for their own ends. That they'd actually served themselves, not the people, not the people for whom they were meant to serve. And around the nation of Judah, and, and at that time in the 8th century, 7th, 8th century BC, There were powers on the horizon that were spilling over and becoming threatening. Peace and stability was a memory. No doubt every household in every village and town were recognizing there were uncertain times, not to mention the levying of taxes to pay for it all. And so... This prophetic oracle comes, likely for the prophet, speaking into the hopes of the dawn of a new era, perhaps the birth, or maybe even the coronation of a new king, King Hezekiah. I'm sure you may have heard of him. His precedents, those who'd been before, had left hopes dashed. But as always, with the arrival of a new leader, there is that sense of of hope. Maybe this will be different, a new day, a new dawn, a new era. Remember those moments in Washington when the new president is inaugurated and everyone's kind of joyful and happy and there's a speech made of, this is what it will be like, and great words are spoken. Or our prime minister's on the steps of Downing Street with some wonderful things to say, but the proof is in the pudding. We pray for our new monarch in this new era. Rightly, there's an expectation and an anticipation of well-being and promise of hope, of peace, of prosperity. Of course, we all yearn for that. And Isaiah has it that a great light has come, no longer the darkness of a stagnating regime, no longer the darkness of threats from foreign lands, the Assyrians in this particular instance, all the puppet leaders, but a new leader has come, a new king, Release for Judah from oppression and fear into peace and justice and righteousness and uses this word, this name, wonderful counselor, which means wise governance, that the king, the ruler, will be a wise governor, a wonderful governor. Alongside that, told mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, clearly the scope of this prophetic word is slightly larger, but it did speak into the then and the current and of the horizon of life. It's interesting that the, the way that this is phrased does mean wonderful counselor, but it could also be easily translated accurately or counselor of wonders. Just changes the, the, the familiarity, doesn't it? Of, he will be called wonderful counselor or counselor of wonders. I like that. I like that a lot. Of course, a counselor is referencing the exercise of governance. To administer and to plan and to to bring out good policy. If ever anyone tells you that, that religion is just to be private, that Christian faith and any faith should just be internalized in a matter for oneself, remind them about this passage. And actually just open the pages of any part of the scripture and says that God's purposes aren't just internal, they pertain to our world and how it is lived, and how community is formed and expressed. You see, the prophetic vision and the hope of Hezekiah and the desire is reflecting in his words is of a king and a ruler who will will plan for the benefit of the whole realm of every person and every one and thing that belongs within that land. I love the prophetic vision and the scope of Scripture in the Old Testament when it, it speaks not just of people and interactions and of personhood, but also of the land and of how things should operate from crops and agriculture and seasons and commerce. Implicit within that, God speaks to the privileged and the poor, especially to the poor. Wonderful counselor. An amazing counselor, one with wisdom and foresight and excellent in every way, or the plans and policies of that wonderful, that council of wonders, will be of exceptional quality, that go beyond the usual expectations of power and practice. that these wonders will be about the leader who does wonderful things. Doesn't the heart lift when you hear that? Either way. The leader, the king, the hoped for in the immediate would be able to initiate policy and practice that will dazzle ineffectiveness and eclipse all that's gone before and bring practical benefits to every subject and citizen. The sadness for Isaiah and the people at that time is, is Hezekiah, though he wasn't dreadful, he didn't get the... Uh, the, the the label in the annals of the Chronicles or Kings, this king did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He wasn't that bad or dreadful. They were far worse than him. He did stand for, and again, for, for Judah and the, and the people of God in Israel, and he did defeat the Assyrians. Judah was protected and rescued, whereas the northern kingdoms which had forgotten God and lived in other ways were decimated. But he was a disappointment. And that features in Isaiah chapter 39, but also the end of his life is figured in 2 Kings chapter 20. He, God calls him to account and he becomes critically ill. And Hezekiah kind of prays and says, Lord, spare me and remember me. And, and the Lord is gracious and mercy and hears his prayer and comes to him through a prophet and says, Okay, yeah, the Lord will rescue you. And he kind of goes, Ah, oh, phew, I'm saved. And he lives for another decade. But there's something quite telling in that. And what he does with the rest of his years, it's so much about him. So much about his power and rule and forgets the reign and rule on behalf of all God's people. The expectations and the prophetic vision. A great light has dawned on the people walking in darkness dashed, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar overcomes. And so, this text has a deeper resonance. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in someone else. On that dark night on the hillside, the cry of the first breath of, Jesus, the infant, a great light, dawns, wonderful counsellor. In the New Testament, in all the, the tributaries that have focused and been set in motion, we find the hopes and fears of all the years met in King Jesus. At Advent, we find the expectation of the Messiah, the the Anointed One, the setting up of these signposts saying, Come, Lord, come, Lord, visit us again, establish again your kingdom and your reign and rule. We find wonderful counselor. Have you noticed how full the Christmas readings are of kingly imagery of majestic signs, of of regal definition, in the gifts brought by the wise men, in the heralding of the angels, of the power challenge between Herod and Jesus. You see, the long-expected king has come to set people free. The context is different. It's no longer the Assyrians or the Babylonians. Now it is Rome. The coercive, the threatening, the dominant, the superpower, and the taxes. The royal power of Caesar is implicitly challenged and undermined by the arrival of King Jesus. Don't you remember the birth story of Jesus? Implicitly intertwined with the darkness of the time. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Corinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. They had to. Such was the power and might of Rome. It had been declared. And into that mix, into that context, into that very moment, the king is born. Mark is really clear, the gospel of Mark about the royal language, if you hadn't heard it already in in the story. Mark 1.15, the time has come, Jesus says, in his first declared message. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Of course, the good news is a definite political subversive message that Caesar and the herald of the emperor was declared as good news to the Roman world. And here is another greater story of good news. And even in the words of Jesus, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is here to supplant the reign and rule of Rome. You see, there's a larger... Drama unfolding, the confronting of power. And indeed, any regime that exerts ultimate power and control, Jesus is opposed to. Have you ever wondered why Christianity is seen as a threat by dictators? This is so because it's not just internalized and private, but it gets into the fabric and the nooks and crannies and the annals of power and challenges the great and the good to live an even better way of Jesus. Persecution comes because Jesus is powerful, that he is the king, he is the designate ruler and leader and the wonderful counselor, and there is no other who has all authority in heaven and on earth. There is no one else who would confront every power and ruler. That Jesus is intrinsically a revolutionary. Amen. And subversive. Think about pioneers of faith. People know that the people of Jesus are active agents of a greater good. So often they're martyred because people think that'll stop it. (laughs) Surprise. Martin Luther King challenging the dreadful oppression of racism in the civil rights era of America. Guns down, yes, but his legacy lives on because it's a legacy of Jesus. In Latin America, Oscar Romero, or in Britain, in the history of, uh, of of Wycliffe, the Bible translator, why did the powers want to stop someone translating this? Because it's dynamite. The word of God is powerful, and it challenges every dictator and oppressor and dominant force. That Jesus is the surprising alternative. He is amazing, and he is opposed. This name, Wonderful Counselor, drives us back to think about what kind of king is Jesus. How does he oppose Roman rule? And Isaiah 9 is really clear. He will bring peace and well-being. He will bring order, not chaos. He will bring life in all its abundance, not brutality or robbing. There will be no more violence or extortion. He is a wonderful counselor, a counselor of wonders, and this is good. Do you know Jesus is wise? Of course you do. But at Christmas, remember, he is wise. The counselor, he has great discernment. Do you know of how the world works? He doesn't get confused by global economics. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm really glad about that. And he knows how to bring wise help to every circumstance we face. He doesn't just see the surface level, mind you. The thing about Jesus, he sees deep within. He sees motive. He sees thought patterns. He understands our history and what Prejudices and, and causes our buttons to get pressed. And you know what? He's really wise. He knows our patterns of behavior personally and globally. Wonderful counselor. You see, he astonishes. When Jesus had grown up, In chapter 6 of Mark, verse 2, when the Sabbath came, he began Jesus to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they said? What's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are the remarkable miracles he's performing? Even as he grew up, Luke 2, and the child grew and became strong, he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Later on in chapter 2, verse 52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This Jesus, this mighty God, this wonderful counselor has extraordinary discernment and wisdom. That Jesus is extraordinary. Extraordinary. He's not just a bit beyond the others. Mark 1, 22. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. You see, Jesus is able to contradict the normal assumptions and confounded the authorities, and he engaged with the ordinary people, not just the great and the good and the powerful and the movers and shakers, He was able to back up his words with actions and didn't just conform to old patterns of abuse and exploitation, but subverts every one of them. Mark 10, 25 and following, It's easier, says Jesus, this is wise. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Do you hear that? Possible versus Impossible. This wonderful counselor. He goes head and shoulders, far more, in fact, beyond any earthly ruler to date. No one else carries this name, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor way back in Genesis chapter 18 verse 4 that there was something said is anything too wonderful for the lord same word things are possible with god in the world's eyes impossible possible with god what well, the world has long since said, that's intractable, that's insurmountable, that's just too difficult with God possible. No one can save and rescue this nation, they're too corrupt with God possible. No one can rescue my child, my son, my parent, my grandchild, my godchild with God possible. No one can break the hold of this indiction or this prejudicial system that seems implicitly entwined in all of our culture with God. Possible? You see, again and again, this wonderful counselor, this Jesus, in his teaching, says it's not the way the world knows. Think about the story of the Good Samaritan. Shock horror. Think about uh, the, the teaching to the rich young ruler. What must I do? And they go away. What about that really disturbing parable where, where Jesus says, there's a, there's a field that needs harvesting. Go and employ them. And he pays the one that's worked the, most, the least amount of time the same as the most. Everyone goes, ah, the unions are on the case. This isn't right. Jesus' way, it's different. See, Jesus opens up new possibilities. The age of the old ruler that didn't want or didn't see or didn't expect the impossible because it was a hard nut to crack with God possible. And you know what? It's happening. I've mentioned it before, but I I listened to an audiobook. It's best probably to read it because people sometimes write books to be read, not to be heard. I listened to it on Audible, and it's a long book by Tom Holland called Dominion, 500 and something pages. I listened to it on long journeys for about half an hour, and then I had to stop because I was kind of like, I can't take it all in. But Tom Holland, not a Christian, historian, expert on Rome, was really struck in his his deliberations. He kept finding that Christians popped up, and this figure of Jesus kept popping up in Roman history. And he was really perplexed because he was like, oh, I don't want to consider Jesus. And he thought, actually, with historical integrity, he needed to. And he's written this amazing book called Dominion. And it's all about how Christianity has permeated our Western society. And it could be summed up like this. The question posed, do you believe in human rights? You sound not convinced do you believe in human rights it 's because of Jesus. Do you believe in the dignity of every person because of Jesus? Do you believe in the value of the poor and the weak? Do you know that 's because of Jesus? He said that in every ancient culture in Rome in greece all the way through, of those who would come and dictate. It's the victors and the powerful who get the spoils, who are celebrated. It's the weak and the oppressed that are marginalized and and, and, um, exploited and enslaved and trafficked. And it's because of Jesus that suddenly there's a care for the poor and the underdog and the sick and the marginalized. And Tom Holland, in his brilliant book, charts it all back. Do you care for and, and believe in caring and advocating for every person? not just our own kind of so-called race and nation, but in every person on this planet. Why? Because of Jesus. Wonderful counselor. This is the impact and magnitude of the Christmas story that comes. Hallelujah. A new king, a new reign. What was impossible? Possible. Jesus was inexplicable in his wisdom because light has dawned. The old limits of the impossible are exploded. That Jesus opens up the impossible. Who can be saved? And the old leaders take offense. Jesus threatens the established order because the wonderful becomes possible. And people's gaze is taken from those who seem to glitter before us. And we see true majesty. As we sung it, we bow our knee to him and declare him Lord and Lord alone alone, no longer Caesar or Charles or Prime Minister or President. Yes, we honor and pray for our government, but he is our Lord Jesus. Mary. In the Magnificat, in Luke chapter 1, he has performed about God mighty deeds with his arm. He scatters those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sends away the rich empty. Still, Jesus is a threat. Never see him as meek and mild, as if. Every day, Jesus was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they couldn't find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Wonderful counselor. And when he was charged by Pilate, Luke 23, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. Do you hear it? The subversive reign and rule of God. Undermining all these structures of dominance. I've examined him in your presence and found no basis for your charges against him, says Pilate. And you want to know something really astonishing, Anna? Close as we come to the table. Wonderful counselor. He says to us, you and me, he says, Follow me. Follow me in my mission. He calls us to follow him. This is subversive and transforming. He said to his disciples, Luke 21, but before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and put you in prison and you'll be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you'll defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Think about Luke's part two in the story of Acts. Acts. Did they just close themselves up in a monastery or an upper room and stay there and pray and worship and be very, very lovely together? No. They spilled out onto the street and down the byways and highways and along the roads to every part of the known world at that time and turned it upside down. Act 17 when they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men have caused trouble all over the world and they've come here now. Christmas isn't just a myth or a lark or a nice saccharine, tinsel, soft-lit, candle-infused moment. It's a aversive message of good news and the calling to all who would come and bow and profess love and adoration is also a new vocation, a new calling to belong to and be part of the reign and rule of God, the kingdom of God, not of this world, and of the increase Of his government. Have you wondered how the increase of his government comes about? Yes, the zeal of the Lord accomplishes this. And yes, the Holy Spirit is for this. And yes, Jesus is doing this in all sorts of wonderful ways. But you know how it principally comes? You and me. Peter and John and Mary, Priscilla and Aquila. The increase of his government will know no end. The daily intentional engagements of us, his people, astonished by his wonder, no longer subscribers to the old order. Do you see it on emails you get? There's a little button at the bottom that says unsubscribe. Don't do it to our emails. But, you know, by choosing Jesus, we metaphorically press that button, that link. We unsubscribe to this dominant, corrosive, corrupt, dying, decaying order. And we subscribe to the kingdom of God for whom we live under the wise, wonderful counsel of Jesus. And this is subversive this uncommon wisdom to interrupt the foolish belief that business as usual remains. Happy Christmas.